Hello and welcome to the Mongol Media Show. I am Mongol Media Editor-in-Chief Efe Levant. To learn more about us and follow the articles discussed on the show, please visit our website www.mongolmedia.net. Mongol Media is supported entirely by reader donations. If you like our content and would like to see more of it, please check out our pledge options from our Patreon site. Listeners who like fiction can also buy our illustrated short story, Guide to Every City, written by myself and illustrated by Ala Al-Hassoun. Guide to Every City is a guide for a fictional city inhabited by insects, the three different species of insect in every city, Hopsters, sloggers, and buzzies live segregated lives on their isolated neighborhoods. The book not only presents a commentary on social divisions within urban life, it also satirizes contemporary travel writing. The fictional author of the guide, Steve McCracker, is a thoroughly unrelatable hipster who genuinely believes that the rest of the world did not exist until he discovered it for some over-designed travel magazine. You will laugh, you will cringe, in the words of Steve, you will never be the same again. In this episode, we are joined by a regular contributor, Robin Asbury, to talk about her article, Recreating Filipino Recipes in Istanbul. We will be talking about the openness of Filipino cuisine to fusion in comparison to the conservative obsessiveness of the Turkish cuisine. Those living in Istanbul, stay tuned until the end of the conversation, where we will be talking about some of our favorite Asian and Middle Eastern restaurants that have opened in Istanbul recently. Hello, I'm here with Robin Asprey for the second time, I believe, on this podcast, am I right? Yes. Yes. And last time you had written an article for us on the Ati Atihan Festival for our Nostalgia in the Periphery series. And this time you have an article about recreating Filipino dishes, uh, recipes in Istanbul. So would you like to start off by kind of like uh, summarizing the article? <laughs> well, basically, I s- kind of remember... Um, like my childhood and what type of food my mother would make or what I considered Filipino food. And then trying to recreate these dishes, except discovering that when I was in the Philippines, what my mom was making was also her trying to recreate the dishes of home with what she had available in the U.S., And then me, again, trying to recreate Filipino or Asian-type dishes in Turkey, which is uh, difficult given there's not a lot of uh, Asian products available. Let's let's kind of, just for the listeners, kind of uh, go through your um, kind of like time frame of like you grew up in the U.S. Yes. uh, Your father's American and your mother's Filipino. And then yes. you went to live in the Philippines for how long? For like university, right? Yeah, I stayed in the Philippines for like 10 years. 10 years. Yeah. And then now you're living in Turkey, basically. Now you're living in yeah. Istanbul. And that's been for like five years. Yeah, it's been for five years. So the part where I've interrupted you, I wanted to like say this because you were just talking about like how you learned about Filipino cuisine from your mother's cooking in the U.S. 
but then you actually went to live in the Philippines and what you learned as Filipino cuisine in the U.S. from your mother's cooking was not the same as the Filipino cuisine that you've experienced in the Philippines itself. Right. It's it's Filipino-American food. Like, I guess we have Chinese-American food, but mm -hmm. I just knew it as Filipino food because, uh, well, my white side of the family would really make the distinction that that's not like American style food. And like, I remember there's a, there's a dish called halo halo and it's, um, it's, it's like a shaved ice with milk and like sweet, sweetened beans and tropical fruits and ube and leche flan. And they, there's an ice cream that they made similar to it, but you would have to go to a, someone would usually go to like Oregon or Washington where there was a bigger Filipino community and they sold these products. They brought back Halo Halo. And I remember I was on the couch um, eating this Halo Halo ice cream because I was so excited, I'm just a little kid. And my cousins, my father, so these are like my white cousins, um, they see me eating it and they're just, um, and mocking, teasing me and saying, oh, that's so disgusting. There's beans in your ice cream. What is this? And then like a little bit when I was around them, I was afraid to eat uh, like the Asian or like Filipino food mm -hmm. or so there was that kind of thing because usually on my dad's side, they would not eat anything my mother usually cooked. Mm. Or had your grandmother and grandfather from your father's side of the family they seem to have been a bit more like from the article they seem to have been a bit more at least encouraging of your mother to be able to kind of like do her own cooking yeah they were they were more open compared to like my father's siblings i feel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um at least that's the impression i got growing up uh but now I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> like. I've got a question. Um, so for example, it's quite interesting because like being both from the Philippines and from America itself and having had the experience of like kind of comparing Filipino cuisine in the US and the Filipino cuisine back home, uh, you are also kind of in, due to the places that you've lived in you're also in a unique position to kind of talk about like what american cuisine is in the us and because american cuisine is all over the world i mean like filipino cuisine for example in turkey is almost non-existent um but it also happens kind of like all over the world so you have also i imagine witnessed that cuisine kind of differing from place to place as well and you yeah. might have also having lived in turkey and like having maybe try for instance Turkish food abroad also you're kind of like in a very unique position to kind of reflect about the patterns in which kind of uh, national cuisines are adapted in different places maybe you've got like an observation that you would like to share about that I mean well in my experience most of the cuisine that gets adapted like here the philippines are like oh this is a uh, american mm -hmm. food and i'm like well you know what is american food i mean it's also diverse but it's always 
it's also always made, you know, you have the local ingredients and it's made for the local tastes. Mm -hmm. Like, um, uh, let's like say KFC in the Philippines. Uh, so of course you have the chicken, but they, um, when I first came, I, I was asking, oh, where are the biscuits? Cause like, you know, in the US KFC, they have biscuits. Here they have biscuits. In the Philippines, they don't serve biscuits, they serve rice. So you get rice and gravy with your chicken. Mm -hmm. So that was different. Or McDonald's, they serve uh, Filipino style spaghetti in the Philippines, which some of my friends in the US were jealous that you could get spaghetti in McDonald's. But um, here, I guess it's, for me, it's a little weird because some of these American chains, I never really ate in the US and I only really started eating them while I was overseas because it was American, so to say, when you miss something. But then when I say I missed it, I actually really never had it in the US. So it's just, I don't know, a longing, an identity longing or something there, like something familiar-ish for me to grab onto while, you know, things are so different. There is one thing you said that I just have to absolutely ask what it is. I mean, you kind of like allude to it in the article and you kind of describe it a little bit as well, but you just mentioned it and I want our readers to hear, I mean, our listeners to read, hear about as well. What is Filipino spaghetti? Oh, okay. So Filipino spaghetti, I mean, I think spaghetti, from my understanding, spaghetti was introduced during the American colonial period. So it's, it's just like the usual spaghetti pasta, but the sauce is sweet, like maybe made with, instead of tomatoes, made with like banana ketchup. And it has like a lot of like minced meat. Uh, in my family, we use beef, but like other places they use pork. Uh, and then the little sliced up hot dogs, you might add more sugar to the sauce. And um, then you top it with like cheese. And to me, that was spaghetti. And then, like I said in the article, like I went to a friend's house when I was uh, in elementary school and they were serving spaghetti and I was excited because I love spaghetti. And then I had their spaghetti and I was like, there's, it was just um, like a marinara sauce and, and like the pasta. And I was like, this is, where's the meat? <laughs> Where's the hot dogs that she can I have? I asked for sugar and they, the, her family looked at me like, mm. for what? And I was like, this, this, for the spaghetti, like you forgot the sugar and they had no clue. And her mom was just at this must be a cultural difference. Mm. So I was like, but I'm like, I was too little to understand what they were saying. I was just like, the spaghetti's wrong. <sighs> and I came back, I came back to the house and like, they gave me spaghetti, but it was sour. I don't understand. It's not like our spaghetti. So where can we mean at least rely on that when you actually went to the Philippines, Filipino spaghetti was the Filipino spaghetti that Yeah, Filipino spaghetti was like sweet and Okay. That was yeah. So at least you weren't disappointed on that part. No, there's uh like if you go to buy the sauce, they have like Italian style Del Monte tomato mm -hmm. sauce and then Filipino style, which will be sweet. So that's, to me, that's normal spaghetti. Uh, 
I was at an event here and someone made some Filipino spaghetti and I was in the dorm at the time and I brought it back and I was like, you guys want to try? And I'm like, it's sweet. It's spaghetti, but it's sweet. And like, everyone was like, that's weird. No, they haven't even tasted it. No. <laughs> I think it's Turkish fine. people more, are like exceptionally unadventurous when it comes to cuisine. And I think, uh, I think we should at least reserve some part of this kind of like broadcast into kind of complaining about the unadventurousness of Turkish cuisine <laughs> and like Turkish people. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of questions that I actually want to ask you. One of them, uh, kind of like following up from the from the conversations that we were going through, one of them is like, I'm curious about, I mean, whether you have kind of followed or like whether the history of the development of American fast food abroad, like has it changed? Like when I think about Turkey, I mean, I have no kind of like super verifiable scientific data about this. But when I think about my early experiences with things like fast food, like McDonald's and Burger King and all those kinds of like kind of chain restaurants, like I feel as though the first time they came to Turkey in like early 1990s, there was a greater kind of emphasis about insisting that they are selling us the authentic American thing. Like this is exactly how it's made in America. So you kind of like when you bite into it almost, you're like kind of consuming a part of America. Now there's more of a trend towards, I feel like localizing these things. Like you said, like in the KFC, like having rice instead of biscuits, or I don't know, like whenever I go to a pizza hut anywhere in the world, like they have like a super localized uh, menu. Like in Taiwan, I have seen them kind of have like these okonomiyaki pizzas, like the Japanese kind of squid uh, omelet. Yeah, 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 you know that stuff. Or over here, there's always, of course, in Turkey, like pizzerias always have like a pizza torko kind of thing with like sujuk and stuff like that, which is like a Turkified version of pizza. But back then, it didn't used to be so. Back then, we were kind of expecting to eat whatever's on the menu in the US. I mean, have you kind of witnessed this kind of a change? Is this something that I'm making up? Or do you feel like there's been kind of like a change since the 90s to now, but in terms of localization of fast food? Well, I mean, in the 90s, I was still like kid in the US. So, but I mean, when I moved to the Philippines or I've traveled a bit around, uh, the menu seemed like localized mm. more than like I thought, sometimes I thought I would be able to get like the, the stuff I was used to in the US. And then sometimes I was disappointed to find out it's not on the menu. like. Mm. Like, like your, your, the, the chains here, like Burger King, McDonald's, they don't do a breakfast menu. I don't know if Burger King ever did a breakfast menu, but um, it's so like something you miss and you expect it to be there. It's American ish, but of course, like catered to local taste. Uh, like I could never find like the Starbucks. It probably shows like, <laughs> what a what a basic bitch I am always at Starbucks but like uh, <laughs> I mean back back in Boise I'd be moxie java uh but uh again but I'm you know drinking coffee was a in a it's a more Mormon area so drinking coffee was like I don't know 
it seemed more like a big deal when I was a teenager than do Mormons have like a law the, against drinking coffee? Do they have like rules against it, or is it? I it, for for more strict Mormons, yeah, coffee and tea are considered like I guess a form of intoxicants, like caffeine's right. a no go. Okay. So, and um, so yeah, like, and in my family, like my mom would drink it. My dad, my, my dad never touched it. Uh, so it was like this weird, my dad was more accepting of like the things my mom ate, but would not partake in a mm -hmm. lot of it. But um, like here, there, there are certain like drinks. I have to say, I think Starbucks is better in other countries in the US. I feel like there's more things or maybe it's just due to maybe the area I come from. Like a Starbucks here is always crowded, but when I would go back home, like it'd be empty. Like I'd be the only one in there. <laughs> like. Oh. And I, I feel like Starbucks is here, or like, I don't know, for me, Starbucks is almost more like an ice cream shop than a coffee shop because there's a lot of flavors. Yeah, like a lot of different sort of things. I... I don't I feel like I don't know if it's the same here but like in the Philippines if you go to Starbucks or what is it coffee bean and tea leaf there's those are like bougie places to go uh -huh. to like show and then you you know you take a picture of your cup and you know whatever and all that so then you have in the story then you have like moved to Turkey after your experience in the Philippines then you've come over here and what has been your experience like in Istanbul as far as food is concerned? Well, when I first came, I mean, I, before I came to Turkey, I was in Palestine and somehow in my mind, I had the impression that there'd be like similarities in the food. Mm -hmm. um, but not, not as much as I thought there would be. Mm. Um, actually I said that in class in, in my, um, Turkish language class that I, I was not aware that Turks were so antagonistic, like had a, it's a nice way to say ill feelings towards the Arabs. Cause when I said, I thought when I came, I, I said in class to my teacher asked, what did I expect or like think when I, I was like, oh, well, I thought because the location and predominantly, you know, or nominatively Muslim. Like I thought there would be similarities with like some Arab countries and she got very angry. I uh, was like, like angry, angry, like angry. <laughs> She's like, no, we're not like the Arabs at all. And I was like, oh, okay. And I'm imagining there's Arab students in the classroom as well. Yeah, <laughs> a lot. And, uh, <laughs> So, I mean, yeah, learned my Turkish still shit, but I, I learned a lot, uh, I think, culturally in, in Tome. <laughs> like, um, and I came here. I, well, first I stayed in a dorm. So, like, the food I was given was, like, <laughs> I felt like a level of prison food <laughs> in a way of what they served us. In the cafeteria. In the cafeteria. So, um I know, like they would tell me this is a Turkish dish and stuff, but then 
I didn't really taste anything like seasoning or flavor. Like uh, I think I said in the article, again in Tomer, uh, there are a few of a, a few Southeast Asian students from like Malaysia, Indonesia, Brunei, Philippines. And uh, when some other students said, oh, they found Turkish food spicy, all of us from Southeast Asia turned and were like, what are you talking about? Because uh, we're like, we can't taste anything. Yeah. And uh, one of the Malaysian students, he brought in, um, what was it? Uh, beef floss, you know, like dried beef floss. Yes. I mean, I, I've learned about this actually while I was reading your article. Like I went and looked it up. And I just, uh, the teacher, to his credit, tried it and apparently it was too spicy for uh, him and he looked like he was going to die. Ooh. And then my friend <laughs> passed it to me and I'm just like shoveling bunches of it into my mouth like I love this stuff. But um, yeah, it's... Uh... Like, I think Turkish people have this kind of like unshakable belief that there is something extra special about like the cuisine that... I don't know where it comes from. Like I've, uh, it's almost, it's kind of like comparable to Italians. Like they are ridiculously defensive about cuisine and they are extremely unwilling in terms of experimenting with bringing in anything new, uh, which is almost like the exact opposite of Filipino cuisine. Yeah, Filipino cuisine is... I mean, we love to mix things mm. and, and from like the history of uh, immigration and colonization. And, you know, due to various other factors, we've made, we've taken a bunch of diverse influences and, and made our cuisine. Like, I know some people have that purity thing when it comes to food, but uh, I like the, uh, I guess bastardized type mm. of food, like um, like the Filipino Japanese restaurants. I I love those over like a, a full Japanese restaurant mm. because they don't have Philly cheesesteak sushis. I always feel like this kind of like um, I mean, I'm really into mixing just ingredients in general, or maybe like cultural influences as well. Uh, I think this. I think there's a bit of a debate about like whether fusion is kind of good in its own right or whether it's evil in its own right but i think talking about thinking about fusion in cuisine it deserves to be kind of looked at a contextual basis like recipe by recipe there's stuff that like totally makes me cringe there's this video of some white dude like putting chocolate into hummus for example which like that level of experimentation starts to get too much for me you know um but most kind of like day-to-day -day experimentation with cuisine like what if i put a bit of, like a lot of turkish people are kind of really anti that like for example when it comes to the debate about whether pineapple belongs on pizza i'm totally team pineapple uh where do you like draw the lines for you about like which experimentation and which blendings make things tasty because in your own article also you talk about making a recipe for your friend and then she puts like ketchup and mayonnaise on it which you find absolutely revolting so like where do you put the uh where do you put the boundaries in terms of which forms of experimentation and mixing are cool and which ones are taboo i mean that's hard i mean mm. i guess because it's 
subject like of course I, I guess I felt with the uh pancit being covered in like mayonnaise and ketchup as like something like a dish I enjoyed as a kid that my mom would always make for parties it, like pancit was always like a celebration type dish and then I think it was a, like she didn't even try it first and then she put mm. mayonnaise and ketchup on it and I was it was a little why uh I mean I think mixing ingredients and cultures I mean that's pretty much standard that's how we got the cuisines we have today mm. even if we think they're authentic but I mean I'm not sure about that like I think there's some issue when I don't know it was I remember there was a it was like a video uh, of some Korean Americans reacting to some guy, some chef from, I forget which magazine or something, uh, making kimchi. Mm -hmm. And it, for them, they said it wasn't kimchi, but the way the guy presented it, like he was the expert and he knew mm -hmm. exactly what he was doing. And this is, kim so I think, I mean, on that level, I think that would probably be offensive. Like people, outside the culture or never having like a sustained uh, like cultural affiliation with it acting as if they're creating like authentic recipes to mm -hmm. sell to other people outside the community as if they're they're you know real things without taking account you know I think definitely I think that like there's definitely like a political aspect to it because like as soon as for anyone's cuisine, as soon as kind of white people get involved to do like anything with it, because there was also the example of this um, white chef who owned a uh, Vietnamese restaurant. You might remember this. I think it, this was like huge. It was like huge, maybe like four or five years ago. He owns a Vietnamese restaurant called Phu, and which is like the name of the dish. And right. he was like, uh, okay, like when, you know, when a chef makes the Phu, like, you're not allowed to put anything in it. If you put sriracha in the full, because like it's kind of, uh, it's really delicately balanced. Uh, if you put sriracha into it, that's like sacrilege. Like any chef like has the right to kick you out of their restaurant or something. But then a lot of Vietnamese people who watched it, who watched this video, they were kind of outraged by it because like, you know, we grew up making this, uh, making this dish at home and we regularly put this into it. And, they also saw the pictures of uh, the dish being cooked in the restaurant and they were like, you know, where are the tendons, where are all the kind of quote unquote gross bits of the meat that we actually find very flavorful and we put into this kind of like stock, where is all this stuff? So like when outsiders, particularly I'm insisting on white outsiders because they have like a um, hierarchical privilege compared to the people whose like recipes they're appropriating, when they come in and when they kind of either rediscover these dishes by adding hummus or like um, by adding chocolate or um, avocado into the hummus or by insisting on standards of purity that the original inventors of the dish simply do not insist on, they kind of, uh, they kind of do an injustice to the dish. Right. Well, I think... Like there's also like food, like like pho or 
like any of these like foods, like when they're made by like the local community and they have a restaurant, like uh, people outside the the community want to want to come in, they eat it and they want it to be cheap. Mm. But only when, let's say, like a white chef does it. Oh, he elevates it, and now it's a mm. fancy thing at a restaurant, and they'll pay more for it. But they would never pay the actual community that actually mm. that that made the dish that that price because it's considered, I don't know, like dirty in a way. Like they yes. had, uh, there was some. I think it was like some woman or couple or something. They made like a Chinese restaurant, Chinese inspired, and they said it was like clean eating. We don't use MSG. We don't use these and just, just like, and they're charging more for it. I was like, I, okay, but it's like the gentrification of know. cuisine. Yeah, basically. Well, I suppose, fortunately, then this is also something that comes up in the article. Filipino cuisine does not have the misfortune of being quote unquote discovered yet. Yeah, yes. I keep seeing articles where it's just like Filipino cuisine, the next stuff and coming. And I've seen those for several years. I was like, no one, I think, and it's, it's weird, at least in, let's say like the U S because I mean, the, the Philippines was a Commonwealth of the U S there's a lot of migration to the U S a lot of my like, and then like Americans come to the Philippines and yet Filipino food is still quote unquote undiscovered. Uh, you know, I, it's, it's also, I guess, the Philippines is not considered, I don't know, as desirable, I guess, as some of the other surrounding nations. Uh, I remember I was watching a travel show when I was a kid and uh, the, I forget what it was, but it was on like the, the public broadcasting station. And um, they went to the Philippines and then they interviewed this, I think she was a European tourist. And they asked her what she thought about the Philippines. And she said, the Philippines has no culture. Like they dress, like they're, they're wearing Western dress. They're eating, like they're eating like Western food, like I guess our sweet spaghetti or something or like, and I don't know, I mean, I was a kid, but I was, and I had not gone to the Philippines yet, but I was still offended as if like that, that you're just going, like this person went to, I don't know, like the, I guess it was an Orientalist type thing before I knew what Orientalism was that like, you're upset that people aren't different enough for you to take photos of and brag about back home. I, I don't know. So I've it's, just been angry since I was little, basically. It's this. not as Instagrammable as other places, maybe. Yeah, because when people are like, oh, there's a lot, like the architecture, like you have people come in from like the Latin American countries. They're like, oh yeah, it looks similar. <laughs> um, I remember I was in like a, I don't know, a conference-esque sort of thing. Uh, with uh, Spaniards that came to the Philippines to learn English because it's cheaper to learn English in okay. the Philippines. And they came in, they're like, yeah, we came in, the architecture looks like Spanish architecture. And we were like, why is that? And it's like 333 years of Spanish occupation and you don't know? You don't know why our, all our names are like Spanish surnames? Like I was really angry. Did they and actually I, um, not know that Spain they had They did also- not know. 
And I was, I was shocked because this was uh, when I was at university uh, and it was on campus and like Filipinos tend to be a lot more polite, I guess, than I guess me as they're just like, oh, the loud mouth American will say something. Um, and yeah, they were playing, oh, they're like, oh, wow. Okay. So they're like, well, they didn't know. And I was like, how, how did you not know? And the thing was, maybe I had a little, I grew up with sort of an anti-Spanish sort of thing, like uh, where I'm from, there's actually a lot of Basques and um, the Basque community, at least a lot of what I met were very anti-Spanish. Have they immigrated so, recently like, or they've been there for a long time? They've been there for a while, the Basque community in uh, like Idaho and the surrounding areas. Oh, and, this is in Idaho. I thought you were talking about this is in Idaho. Yeah, okay. no. So I, I grew up kind of with that, and then I was just like in my head while they're telling, like they're being really condescending about, and then like they still had no knowledge of the history of the Philippines. Even the one guy, there was one guy who married a Filipina, and he was surprised about Wait, are it. Are these the Basques or the Spanish in the Philippines? These are the Spaniards. Okay, in the Philippines. So. I, I, I think I might've mentioned that like I grew up in, in the community, like with a, in that th uh, conference with the Spaniards, that I grew up with a lot of Basques and like these certain things they said about the Spanish being, um, I guess not culturally aware or whatever, mm -hmm. or very supremacist. And then like, and then, and then a few of them got like, I guess were a little afraid of me thinking I might have ties to like, Etta or something and so the, the tone really changed and I Good. think people were just happy when I left <laughs> like because um, I just caused trouble everywhere as you know um so. <laughs> yes but I mean uh isn't the Philippines named after King Philip of Spain yes and I just how do you come to the Philippines it's like mm, you come to the Philippines to learn English and I have people even in Turkey, they're like, oh yeah, Filipinos speak good English, but they have no idea why. Mm. It's because they're a colony of mm. the United States and they have a long history. Mm. They're just like, oh no, they just speak English there. I, but like no need to go any deeper into that. I don't know. It's, mm. I feel like Philippine history is generally marginalized on. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm also interested in the question of, you know, because, for example, in your last article, one of the main themes uh, regarding people's like perception of the Ati Atihan festival was like there was a tension between diasporic Filipinos and kind of Filipinos in the Philippines. And I'm just thinking also like, you know, this kind of conflict regarding food is one of the classic disputes between uh, diasporics of any country and those who like kind of like stayed in the country is there like a because filipino cuisine is like we've discussed one that is kind of like really open to interpretation and one that does not reject it instead kind of like welcomes it like how does this nature this kind of i suppose what i could call a welcoming nature of the filipino cuisine reflect on the relationships between the diasporics and the natives do they have like similar tensions about which one is authentic Filipino cuisines, like like American Italians and Italians do, for example? I mean, with, 
I haven't seen much antagonism between like in the Philippines if they reinterpret food I like in the diaspora like well I guess you know being part of it like what I thought was Filipino food was Filipino American food Mm -hmm. so I don't know how much the uh, engagement with it is I think for me, a lot of what I see, the main issues that are going on in the community tend to go around the um, gendered type of discussions at the moment. But like what? Uh, well, the um, you know, adding X to the uh, ah, Filipinx, the, the yeah, yeah, Filipinx. I was, I didn't know how to, is it Philippinex? Is it Philippinks? I don't know. Um, in the Philippines, generally, we're not, I say we like if I'm there, but like from, from academics I've talked, other academics I've talked to, and then like other people, like there's some people who are like, I don't know what the hell that is. And then others are like, there's no need. This is something that reflects uh, Filipino Americans mm-hmm. more than us because we don't understand gender the way they do in the United States, which I mean, gender and sexual orientation. I mean, when I first came to the Philippines, I had uh, difficulty wrapping my head around it myself because, uh, <laughs> like, when it comes to sexual orientation, I was being told in one of my classes, um, if if you hold it like the um, quote unquote man's role in a relationship, but the other, your other partner is also a man, you're not gay. He's gay because he fulfills the woman's role. So it's it's based okay, right, on your yeah. that like your, your it's based on your role performance. Yeah, and um, I. I was sitting in class. I'm like, no, there's two dudes. That's gay. That's they're just gay. Mm. It doesn't matter. And they were like, no, it's an, uh, so they have a. And I've, I've talked to friends in the uh, LGBT community, and they said there's like constant discussions mm. on this because you know you still get like a, a Western paradigm that dominates, mm-hmm. and you're trying to accommodate that into like legislation and policies. Except it doesn't reflect the nature of thought within, you know. Mm. The local context so and also just that's like what i see the, more of usually yeah so. i mean off the top of my head uh i'm also kind of like reflecting on because i i've i've witnessed on the internet a similar debate about the word latinx and you know whether like that's appropriate or whether that's like a foreign intervention or not but in the case of the philippines just the fact that you're saying Filipino and Filipina and the genders are in Spanish language and that's not the language that is actually spoken in the Philippines, it further complicates whether Filipino was the right word to begin with anyway. Yeah, it's because like the Filipino languages, they don't have, and I, a Filipino for is generally like considered a non-gender term, and like the languages don't have gender. Hmm. And so then you're like, I mean, I grew up with my mom, like interchanging he and she for everything. Hmm. It's like your brother, she, or <laughs> like, you know, things like that. 
Um, so I think a lot of Filipinos in the Philippines are bemused by the this discussion, mm-hmm. but I mean, it, it is meaningful to, to those in the diaspora. So mm-hmm. you have some people that say, yeah, that's something that's something for diaspora if Filipinx people to disc- to to call themselves, but within the Philippines, it's not something uh, a lot of people seem interested in. Mm-hmm. Though I, I don't know if that changing within some communities, mm-hmm. but I I mean it's I think like when I was in in the Philip I mean in the U.S. and what I, I knew about the Philippines or like trying to maintain sort of like a cultural tie with it, what I was getting filtered through was a more uh, homogenized idea of culture, uh, more like uh, an assemblage of stereotypes that you would adhere to to make you Filipino. And then I come to the, when I came to the Philippines, and it was it's so different, many different different ethno-linguistic groups, many cleavages in society that you are not necessarily aware of if you're like second, third, fourth generation in, in the US. Absolutely. Um, thinking back about the food question, and I want to kind of like uh, discuss a bit more your experience in Turkey. Uh, in, in the article, you kind of talk about finding Turkish cuisine bland, which I don't necessarily disagree with you. Uh, I mean, of course, like as we've discussed, the dishes that you grow up with have like a um, sentimental familiarity. And I think there's, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that I do myself enjoy about Turkish cuisine, but I think it's quite undeniable that there is a general kind of like lack of spice, especially when you start to explore like other dishes, especially like Indian cuisine or like a lot of Asian cuisine. Um, what I find interesting is that the culinary landscape in Turkey, I think you must have recognized this year as well, like even in the five years that you've been here, the culinary landscape in Turkey is changing quite rapidly. And I think we can both agree that this is for good, right? I mean, like we're happy with this change. like with like new like cultures coming in and adding to the food culture yeah, yeah absolutely because i mean what i'm trying to get to is that like your reflections on like there's almost kind of like a cultural war about about the city right now especially about istanbul i mean this is something that we've published uh, quite a few articles about on the blog about like who does the istiklal avenue belong to and so on and so forth there is kind of like a kind of cultural warfare about what cuisine has the kind of quote-unquote right to appear on the streets in Turkey. And I think this war has kind of brought a lot more flavor into Turkey's streets, I feel like. And I don't know, how do you feel about, have you observed this kind of change in the past five years that you've been here? Or like, how do you feel about it? I mean, I... I was excited to find like new restaurants, like was it in uh, Fatih, especially where more Arab restaurant, Yemeni, uh, 
Syrian Palestinian restaurants has sprung up. Uh, I think like, I think the diversity of food is nice to have. I'm sure there's more people, more more uh, Turkish people becoming a little adventurous. Like before I would go into these places and I wouldn't see any exactly. uh, Turkish people eating. Uh, sometimes I do, especially with the, the uh, mostly at those, uh, the new, like the Korean restaurants mm. that popped up. It's a lot more Turkish. It's not, it's not the Korean food I'm used to still a little different but it seems there's some interest like this is the thing there is uh i mean i'm going to go ahead and kind of like advertise this place here because it's just so like i've really enjoyed it there's this uh indian restaurant in istiklal called nushi john i think um there's been kind of like indian restaurants in istanbul for a while i mean i think there's uh maybe like 15 years or so and they have been kind of okay. And I look, I've seen a lot of Turkish people going to those restaurants as well. But this one, uh, it's quite new. I think it's not over a year since it has been open, since it's been open. And like the amount of spice in the food is definitely like incomparable to like any of the other Indian restaurants that I've tried in Turkey. And yeah, they're doing good business as well. I mean, I talked to the waiter and they were like, we're, you know, like both like home kind of like deliveries and the customers that we have here, like it's doing fine. And it's kind of like in a part of town where the rent is expensive too. And all of that without a single Turkish customer, except for like, uh, except for me, yep. <laughs> uh, there wasn't any. And I guess it's not just, the fact that there's kind of like entrepreneurs coming here and opening these shows, but there's actually demand from a lot of people, most of them who are not Turkish, uh, who are kind of like consuming these foods. And that is what's starting to make things really exciting. That is finally what is bringing spice, uh, even though to a very kind of resistant Turkish palette. But then it's, uh, it's more like, I guess, the the rub would be the with uh, Turks seeing this this change that these restaurants are not catering to them and it's like more foreigners like coming in. But I guess that's how it starts. I mean, nobody in the UK is kind of complaining about Indian restaurants catering to. I mean, of course, there's people who complain, uh, but most people who well, are they like showed loudly. Up to India for- Say what? Like they showed up to India first. Of course, there is like... that. But also, like someone who complains about Indian cuisine in the UK right now, like no one's going to take them seriously. You know, it's kind of like right. a joke. So, like, I mean, I'm kind of hoping or kind of expecting that it's going to get to that stage here at some point. Like, people are going to start trying this. That that This is why, like, I'm mentioning the name of the restaurant so that, like, people would go and eat it and, like, try it and find out that, I mean, even though, like, Turkish cuisine is kind of nice, but, like, there's other stuff out there that's also, like, super exciting as well, and there's no reason to not try them. Right. I mean, I was excited when some Indonesian restaurants popped mm-hmm. up. Um. I've spent a lot of money at these restaurants. Uh, I mean, it's still not 
what you would get in Southeast Asia, but mm-hmm. like the um, when I talked to like the way the waiter uh, the servers, and I've just and you know like you come in and it's, apparently I'm not the only one that's like yeah we get a lot of people that are kind of tired of Turkish food and want mm-hmm. you know something the taste of home, and uh, like the the seasoning the spices like it's to the level that you'll start crying mm. uh, for how much they burn. I think I've gotten used to uh, some of the Turkish cuisine. I mean, I do have friends that have left Turkey and gone back to their countries. And like, you know, they would complain about how bland Turkish food is. Mm. But like, and then I like, I'll get a message from someone. They're like, God, I miss Simit. Like, yeah. you know, things like that. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that Turkish food is bad. Like I initially... I grew up thinking Filipino food was kind of bland for the region. And then I was like, I <laughs> I was like, there's blander food out there, but like, I'm not saying bland food or to my taste, but I'm not saying Turkish food is bad. I do enjoy some of it. Uh, not maybe I, I'm not, I'm still very typically American. Like I won't touch <laughs> like cook or or, or something. Mm, you've um, not had it yet. No, I'm, I'm, Organ meat, I'm, like, <laughs> I say this as someone that eats, like, McDonald's chicken nuggets, and I'm just like, I, I don't... To each their own. I mean, it smells nice, but, like, I'm just still so... I don't know. <laughs> I, I have a feeling you would like it. But let's do this. Let's, let's mention names, because I think it's important for this kind of culture, like names of restaurants. I mean, like, particularly you, because I see you on social media and you seem to try a lot of, Yeah, I mean, like, you, I am super <laughs> envious of the places that you're going to. And even, like, recently, we've been to, like, a fried chicken restaurant on Istiklal with you. And it was... I mean, ever since, like, I lived in Taiwan, it was the most flavorful fried chicken that I've had, you know? Like, I didn't think, like, ever, like, we were going to have, like, such a flavorful fried chicken in Turkey. But, like, is, are there any other restaurants that you would like to big up here? Uh, well, I, I normally go to that, that Indonesian restaurant, Kuali. There's another one called... That's in Fati. That's, no, that is in um, Top, Topane. Oh, it's in Topane, okay. Or the Karakoy area. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I've gone to like there's it's like I guess a chain now. It's called Sopong. Sopong. I I have a very American accent, so I'm probably pronouncing everything wrong. Um, and that's a Korean esque restaurant. And where is that? That is there's one in Katakoy. I think there's one in Beshiktash too, and then like another location, but I'm not is sure. Is it like a local chain or an international chain? Uh, local i think wow. it's like a there's a local korean the, food chain i think uh there's a, a korean family that owns like most of the korean things here at least that's what i was told Ooh. i might be wrong um so if you want like crunchy chicken like crunchy sweet chicken um where i don't know like and one of, of them is the other ones in Besiktas. okay and i think there's one further uh, in on the European side, but I don't remember okay. where. You said it was called uh, to the best of Zopang? our Gopang. Zopang. Zopang. Okay. S O P U N G. 
Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm falling here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I'm always like, if you want to, if you want to shawarma real fast, like Anas, which is where we went for the, yes, the chicken. The um, and they are in Taksim and also in, in what Yusuf Pasha. See, even which is that restaurant to... is like four floors. And, and there's another have... one next to it. Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Because it's always full. Like every time I try to go in, like all the seats are taken. But, but then me, I've not to... seen any Turkish people in there as well in all the four floors. Yeah. I was almost it's... embarrassed on behalf of the Turkish people who don't go to this place, you know. I mean, usually if I'm around there, I'll find people, I'll find people that I know. Yeah, like yeah. I'll be walking down, they're like Robin. I'm just like, oh yeah, shawarmas. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Next to uh was it Gaza 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 falafel or Gaza? Is which it? is a nectar yeah and it's uh i like that falafel place it's it's oh good. there's a lot of falafel places as well yes yeah and then usually i walk down and i i get like my syrian sweets at one of like the i think i think the place is called sonora i don't remember i i don't like I go in speaking like a mix of Turkish and Arabic and they're confused by me. And I'm just like, <laughs> just give me that and I'll go like the Halloween Eljibin. That's all I want. So maybe Kanafe, Kanafa, like however you want to say it, just give it to me and I'll like. <laughs> so all of these places, they were not really here the first time you came to Turkey, right? Anas definitely no. wasn't there. Or- no, that's. Like there's been like I ha- I've had friends that are from you know other communities like like there's been more um, yeah many restaurants that have opened that my friend has taken me to it's, she's Yemeni um, which I mean also like if you want chicken and rice like a I would they put raisins in the rice which is different to me but like also delicious so That's you know like, and um, yeah, just basically walking around like well, you an enclave where there's just, I mean, like you, when I hear in the news that some Turks are upset about some minority group in this certain area and how they've taken over, I go there and I eat things. It's yeah, it's because their food is just better than the one that you used to cook in that same spot. So move over, over. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been told by uh, uh, some another friend from uh, when the that there's um, some other friends from other co- like countries in Africa that there's also some African restaurants, mm, some Ethiopian or region yeah. around. Um, but like some, and then like Afghani rest. Like I'm being told there's all these different restaurants, mm. except you wouldn't see them. Like, it's just, like, the community that seems to know about them. Oh, there's quite a few Georgian restaurants, by the way. Oh, yeah. There is the one near Jihangir, which kind of, I think they moved places once. And that's the kind of, that's the, that's the kind of almost like a fancy restaurant now. I. Galaktion. I I used to go there. I, I would go when I was um, using, was it Salt Kalata Library? Mm. I found them. So I wanted to try the the food, and then when they moved again, they're like, "Oh, it's you!" Because I always kept coming uh-huh, back for yes, dumplings. Yes. <laughs> so, 
I mean, the um, Turkmen restaurants around. I, I do like Central Asian cuisine, mm. like a lot of like dumplings and meat pies. A lot of those, well. I mean, those. Cool. I mean, if I can remember all the restaurants that we have listed here, I'll make sure to kind of like write down on the uh, summary of the podcast. And I've got like one more thing. When it comes to like comparing like Asian food and Turkish food, there's this big debate about rice, right? And yeah. <laughs> what's your take? Basically, I mean, I'll summarize it first for just the <laughs> listeners. Like in Turkey, we have like this practice of putting butter uh, on the rice before boiling it, whereas in Asia, that's kind of sacrilege. Yeah, rice is just water and you boil it yeah pretty much well i mean i think it's because it's the different food as like being predominantly like rice rice is like the canvas of which you place like your toppings mm. of food and stuff it needs to soak up so adding more like um butter and other things to the rice i'm sure it's done in a lot of, like if you make fried rice but that's usually a leftover type thing mm. Um, it's generally you want the rice to be plain because it's going to carry the, the the flavors of everything else. Whereas, like here, I guess rice is more like a side dish that you mm. that you can eat. It's not necessarily because this is more, a, I guess, a bread culture. From yeah, yeah. I mean, because every time I order food or something, it doesn't say it includes bread, but they bring me a lot of bread, and yes. I'm. I'm like, I don't know what to do with all this because exactly. I'm not used to eating this much bread. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying <laughs> like when I first had rice here again at the dorm, I was like, this, this is, this is not normal to me. Also, like when they saw me like adding the chicken to the rice and like adding like things to the rice and eating it, I'm sure like the, the Turkish woman in the dorm thought I was like weird, but <laughs> you know, just I was just trying to make it more normal to me as a dish. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not that that, not that Turkish food isn't normal. I don't want to get like. <laughs> no, but normal for you. Like, like we talked about the yeah. spaghetti thing, you know, like your idea of a spaghetti being completely different from like what other people consider the normal spaghetti, blah, blah, blah. I've summarized the entire thing. But um, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the funniest thing that, uh, someone told me about this practice of putting butter in. Like, I, I kind of like rice with butter. Like, even when I'm making uh, what would what would be kind of considered as like an Asian dish, like a stir fry or whatever. Like, if I'm making it at home, like I immediately just put butter in 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 my rice. It's just like I'm so accustomed to rice being like that that it's just I don't even think about it no more. It just like comes naturally. But uh, when I was studying in university. Uh, I had we had kind of like I was staying in the dorms and we had a um, common kitchen uh, between a bunch of us and a couple of my neighbors they were like Chinese and when they saw me put butter right before cooking rice they were like what are you doing and <laughs> I told them well, this is how we make it because they were all making it in their like rice cookers which rice is cooker. like, super convenient and yeah. I was like oh, this is just how we make it like in Turkey, there's this thing like we kind of believe that when you kind of put it in a spoon and kind of like flip it over, like the grains of rice should fall individually because they shouldn't be like all starchy and connected to each other. And um, he told me, 
I mean, I guess you could put Nutella in it also, <laughs> but why would you? <laughs> and ever since that day, I try to remind myself of like trying rice with Nutella, like at least once. <laughs> because, I mean, I don't know about you, but I would eat that. I would eat rice with Nutella. There's a Filipino dish called uh, champarado. There you go. Which I mean, and it's uh, it's like chocolate rice. Like you have <sighs> like coca in it. You eat it for breakfast. It's very nice. I mean, basically, like, we make yeah, sutlach here. Yeah, I guess. But like, it's still like rice. It's not as a uh, like creamy as sutlach. Yes, yes, like, yes. Still, yeah, like a porridge. I mean, when you say like the butter and the rice, I know in the Philippines, we like, in the Philippines, there's a lot of Persian restaurants oh. or quote unquote, per okay. we're really into that. A lot of Persian immigrants came over, but uh, my uh, ex fiance at the time was, uh, he, he was a uh, Baluchi and like, so he, he came and then uh, like, he wanted something, he wanted kebab as usual, mm -hmm. um, something. So I took him to, um, I know the place was owned by Persians. It's called Mr. Kebab in the Philippines. And if any Filipinos listen to this, they'll know probably they're in Manila um, because it's like the one halal restaurant you can get to if you're like a Muslim Filipino. Um, and like they gave him rice and they put like a pat of butter on top because in their mind, in their mind that that's Persian rice that like they must put butter in it. And then they gave him a kebab, but it's like a Filipino sized kebab, very small, oh. like a sausage. And he was like, kind of offended like what what is this that you've served me <laughs> like this is this is not a this is this is not how we prepare rice this is everything every the cello's wrong everything's wrong and I was just like I know but this I mean this is the best you're gonna get here you know like uh, well I guess we're approaching the end of this thing uh but Yo, next time let's do a thing where we'll just like go to a restaurant and review it. Let's yeah. do this. Because like all these restaurants deserve like way more credit than they're getting right now. They're doing like a fantastic job of kind of like providing people out here with kind of like international cuisine that we've never had. So let's have that as something to think about in the future. Okay. Cool. Well, it was great to have you. And uh, looking forward to your future writing whenever that may be. Thank you. Thank you for putting up with me. It's a pleasure. Don't be silly. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs>